to episode 76 of Across the Bond. My name is David Ashbaugh, joined as always by my co-host Sixten Funquist. And Sixten, we have a great episode today because we had a great interview uh, with your Gordon forward, Rhett Rakshani. Um, Really great conversation with him, had a great time and uh, really happy. We finally were able to get him on the podcast because this is an interview we've been trying to track down for uh, for quite some months now. So. Yeah, I think I think the first point of contact with uh, with him was back in I don't know October or November or something. But yeah, finally able to kind of put it all together and it, it came out great. What a what a story! I, we're not going to give everything away. Obviously, you listen to it in a in a while, but just how he got into the sport and how he started playing hockey is uh, it's something else. It's really cool, and uh, it goes to show you can you can. Uh, you can, can come into the sport pretty much uh, anyway, or uh, any way possible. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And uh, the path is different. And he's had a pretty good SHL career over the past ten years. So, yeah, I, th- I don't think we we actually mentioned his stats completely. I think my son might be entering the room now. Yeah, he is, and he is angry. Hang on. But um, hey. no, like you said, we didn't. Well, we touched on his stats a little bit. I mean, he's he's Did obviously we? been uh, consistently uh, a point getter. Um, basically, wherever he goes, we uh, talked about a couple of down seasons that he's had. But other than that, uh, he, he's been pretty consistent when it comes to uh, point production. Yeah, for sure. We're not going to give everything away, like I said. But he's third all time among U.S. born uh, players in the in the SHL uh, behind. He's Currently, he has 200, <clears throat> I'm sorry, 271 points in the SHL. That's uh, third, like I said. He's uh, behind Brock just Little behind, and Ryan Lash. Yeah, Brock yeah. Little has 304 and Ryan Lash has 331. So, yeah, but that's uh, that's good company. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but did we want to just kind of take a look at uh, the past week's action? Um, I yeah. mean, we, we've had some games. We're still kind of in that weird... COVID rescheduling situation right now. So we haven't had actually a full slate of games uh, on like a Thursday or Saturday for quite some time. But last Thursday, we did have uh, four games, but there was also a single game on Tuesday. Uh, I'll have to you coming away with the big 4-1 win over Far East Dad and I'll have to you continuing to, uh, to play well coming into the final stretch uh, uh, before the playoffs. And um, if I'm not mistaken, I believe they sit atop the leaderboard. They do with 71 they points. Are, yeah. So... They had a couple of big wins this week, uh, that 4-1 win against Far East Ad, and then an absolutely massive second period against Lin Choping on Thursday night that saw them win 5-0, all five of their goals coming in that second period. Um, and speaking of Lin Choping, they have kind of gone on a little bit of a skin. Yeah, well, we'll, we'll stick with Kuleftje for, for for the time being here. I I, I worked the uh, Far East Ad game, and I wouldn't say... Well, they did come out. Well, they did come out flying. They outshot Ferris at fifteen to four in the first period, which is, I mean, that's good. We've been talking about the shots on goal per period before, and then they just they just added to that by a seventeen to nine margin in the second period before kind of sitting back a bit in the third. But by then they were up, so so uh, they just pushed the button because. They went. They scored. All, uh, went up uh, three nothing in the second period against Ferrystad, and then they kind of sat, sat back to start the uh, to start the third. And once Ferrystad kind of put the, their only goal into the net, for it, it, you could kind of tell that Kolefti were okay. Let's just get our act together here, and we'll not 
they con- they controlled the game through and through, and first that weren't even close. So despite the beauty of a goal from Joel Nystrom, I think you want to talk about Victor Eitzel once again. But um, yeah, Kolefti are looking so solid right now, and I think we prior to the season we at least I had some questions regarding uh, the style of coaching that Robert Olson uh, were to bring. But Jesus. Christ, they fit hand in hand, uh, hand in glove here. They, it's the match made in heaven. I think, if anything, it goes to show that Robert Olson, his vision how how to play hockey. The only thing that stopped Jurgen for from from uh, kind of succeeding in that hockey was uh, the player personnel on the ice. I think because now they're playing the way he wants to play, and oh my god, it's so fun to watch. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, they're just an absolutely massive firepower team as well as we've seen multiple times throughout the season this week included. They can just really turn it on. Um, and speaking of, uh, in that uh, that Lynch Open game, the uh, Halefi 5 nothing. not only did they score all five goals in the second period, they scored all five of those goals in six minutes and 19 seconds. Yeah. Um, it was an unfor- absolute onslaught from the 10 minute mark to about 1630. So it was I, like, that has to be close to, or some sort of record because that is a ridiculous amount of goals in such a short period of time. Yeah, for sure. Um, but not to take anything away from that kind of achievement by, by Kolefti, but I was working the lean shopping game against Lexan on Saturday. And I mean, once it opens, it opens like a massive floodgate for Linköping defensively, defensively right now. They are not solid at all. It, they look lost. Their, their, their gap control is oh, awful from time to time. And it, it, they can kind of put it together. And once, you know, the opponent kind of figure them out, if you will, or get one behind them, it just it, it falls apart. And uh, lane shipping are in trouble uh, if they're continue, continuing like that. I'm Like I said, I'm not taking anything away from either Lexand, who had a massive eight-goal outing against lane shipping, or Hulefti with their five-goal outing in the second period there. But um, let's, just, let's just say that some of the goals weren't exactly hard to score, if you will. Yeah. So, yeah, but didn't make it too challenging for them, I guess. No, that's putting it uh, nicely. But like we said, Skolefti are kind of chugging along top of the league. And uh, yeah, it's really fun to see. Actually, the three teams that I kind of enjoy watching the most are the three in topping the league right now. So Skolefti, uh, Lulio, and, and Rögle. And uh, yeah, I'm kind of, we're between, what is it, 18 to of like 14 to 18 games depending on the team from the playoffs but it's heating up man it's looking really solid and I'm really looking forward to the playoffs yeah to be, I think it, I think just looking at but looking at the standings here it, it's a 14 point difference between between uh, first and sixth but they can I mean Urbru who are in sixth they can still beat Kholeftio so uh, and obviously then there's a second like segment between seventh through I don't know, 11, maybe, maybe 12. And uh, then we have Team Ron Jurgården basically fighting it amongst themselves right now, but they're actually heating up as well. So, but I mean, those six teams on the, on the, on the uh, playoff spot right now, they're, oof, they're all very good. And it's all looking really fun to, I'm, oh, I'm so excited for playoff hockey, man. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, I did want to just touch on the, uh, 
the Far East Dead Malmo game that uh, I was actually covering back on uh, Thursday night. It was a really good all-around performance from Far East Dead. But the reason I wanted to talk about it is because Victor Edgel scored one of the nicest backhanded goals I think I've ever seen scored in any game, any league. He was streaking in along the right side and just the, the power he was able to get on the backhand, he put it under the bar uh, from about the top of the circle. And it was an absolutely incredible backhanded goal. It was the 4-1 goal. Um, you can head on over to shl.se. No, I, I'm actually going to tweet it from, from our Twitter account while we're talking because they yeah. sent me the link to the goal. So, and it's, yeah, yeah, it's just, just ridiculous. It's such an incredible backhanded goal. <laughs> the bench's reaction to the goal as well is great. They all freak out because obviously they recognized how great of a goal it was. So, um, but yeah, Forestad looked really good in that game. Malmo, obviously not so much as uh, they are at risk of uh, being overtaken by Timro. If Timro can put together a few good wins, um, they only sit four points back of Malmo right now. And so the Red Hawks at risk of falling into that, those, uh, those bottom two spots in the league. So it, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. But Timra has a big, well, I was going to say a home and home, but it's not. They've got back-to-back games tonight and tomorrow, uh, tonight being Monday, um, against Rogla in Angleholm. And so those are two very challenging games for Timra. And obviously Rogla will be looking to come away with six points in those, those two contests. Yeah. Um, I got to give it to Timra, though, because uh, they looked – they look really good, man. Uh, from time to time, and they're well, they who did they play uh, Saturday? I can't even remember, and I don't have it in front of me right now. Arbro, uh, yeah, Arbro, and it's a, they lost three one, but honestly, through the first thirty two, maybe thirty five, maybe even the first two periods, uh, Team Rock could have well have had. They, because they went up one nothing and Erbro kind of tied it before just a couple of minutes before first intermission, um, but but had they had you know just a bit more crisp to their finish or a puck bounce going their way because I would chalk this that loss down as bad luck rather than being outplayed because they looked really good they really did and I'm not I wouldn't be surprised if Team Bags at least I mean. Obviously, you want to win the games, and but Rogle is a formidable opponent. So, but if they can get away with one or maybe two points from Engelholm in these two games, yeah, that's good. That's really good in the bottom of the league. And I, I wouldn't be surprised if they actually snatch an overtime win. Yeah, if they Honest, could, if they honestly, could come they, away with an overtime win. Um, I, yeah, and you know, I think, like you said, if they can come away with two points over the next over these next two games, I think they should count that as as a as a success. Very much so, and. I think for their sake, it has to come tonight being the first, the tonight Monday, uh, because I'm not sure if they'll start Jacob Johansson back to back in his, in a third game in four days uh, tomorrow. I can see him getting the start tonight and he's been really good. He was really good against Erebro as well. So I think this is their opportunity or their, their shot to kind of make and get the points. And uh, I would love to work work tonight, but I'm working tomorrow's game. So, uh, but you're doing the one tonight, so you'll you'll provide us with an update, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, really, really. It's despite the 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 weirdness of the schedule. I gotta say that the level of hockey has been good. 
it's been i mean lexan didn't play uh they played their first game in like two weeks uh the other day and they had an eight goal outing maybe maybe quite a lot had to do with lean shuffing but but still jesus and i mean our rule looked solid um Jurgen are actually looking quite decent despite them losing to Rogla. Kulefju, like we said, are looking really good. Ferrystad kind of have had a great uh, ending to the week, if you will. So, yeah, it's it's fun hockey despite, you know, COVID and all that. But, hey, on Wednesday, everything is lifted so we can get enjoy, you know, full houses again. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's a bit of a weird schedule this week. We have hockey every single day of the week. We've got one game tonight, one game tomorrow, one game Wednesday, one game Thursday. Uh, one game Friday, and then we've got three games on Saturday and one game on Sunday. So it is a yeah. full week of hockey in the SHL as uh, the league's kind of scrambling to make up games and, and, and hit that 52 game mark before the, uh, for everybody before the, uh, the postseason starts. So um, yeah, if you like hockey, this is a good yeah. week for it. But um, do you think we yeah, should get to sure. the interview? Um, unless you like the KHL. Oh yeah, they canceled the rest of their season, right? Yeah, they did. And they're just going straight to playoffs. So that is, uh, yeah, that's a bit disappointing for KHL fans. But um, but yeah, do you think we should uh, throw it to the interview with Rhett? Yeah, uh, dude, your your sound, I think your internet is kind of coming out, coming and going here because it's uh, laggy. So let's throw it to the interview and we'll get back in about, I don't know, 45 minutes. Yeah, about that. Enjoy the interview. Enjoy. Okay, joining us now, finally, we can say, uh, is uh, a youth-born player uh, who's been in the league since 2012, representing HV71, Becquelayers, Lynchhutting, Malmö Redhawks, Frölunda, and now uh, Jurgården. He is the one and only, the consistent point-getter, uh, Retra Shani. Welcome to the show. Thank you. That could have taken you the whole podcast to list all the teams I played for in this league. <laughs> and that's the end. <laughs> Here we are 40 minutes later, and that's it. That's all the teams Red played for. Yep. Hold up. <laughs> there we go. Hey, before we just uh, jump in how uh, on your way to, to Sweden and how, how you got here in the first place, you're born in Huntington Beach, according to Elite Prospects, and, yes, you know, true. California, uh, well, isn't well-known, although as of late, it's getting more and more known for its hockey. How come you got into hockey in the first place? It started with street hockey. We started playing oh, okay. ball hockey at local schools, and because the weather's so good here in California, we'd play year-round. Uh, every single Sunday, we'd go out. Uh, my dad met some local school kids. They're playing street hockey, kind of like Mighty Ducks, if you guys have seen that movie. Yeah, yeah. So it literally like that. We'd play street hockey for hours and hours every single Sunday. And I was of a good age at the time. I was five years old. Uh, so I'd go out there and, and probably was a nuisance for everyone because I was slowing the game down. And every time I'd get hit, I'd cry. And they they'd just literally dragged me by my feet to the side. Of, of this whatever we didn't have a rink the side of the area that we were playing in and it was like old school we had breaks on the back of our blades and plastic blades and so it started with that um and I just started falling in love with the game like that was my I would say that was like my version of pond hockey like for a Swede or maybe a Canadian that that was my version of finding a way to fall in love with the game and so uh that kind of escalated into more competitive roller hockey uh, played roller hockey only until I was nine and oh. then started playing both ice and roller. And that maybe can, uh, I can attribute my, my uh, unorthodox stride. Uh, I'll just blame that on not playing ice hockey until I was nine years old. So I'm, I'm still catching up to these Swedish kids that are skating laps around me, but uh, that's how it all began. 
Now, That's uh, awesome. You had mentioned Mighty Ducks, and obviously you're 33 years old, which makes you kind of the perfect age to have kind of grown up with those movies, yeah. especially as a boy from California. Oh, yeah. Did did those movies have have an impact on on your passion for hockey? Yeah, I would say so. Um, I mean, honestly, I was just the street hockey kind of played into it more so. Like it was just a timing thing. It was, I would call it a God thing. Some people might say just right time, right place, and destiny, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but for me, it was just like my dad and mom meeting local school kids. But I would say that the Mighty Ducks contributed to hockey becoming a bigger thing in Southern California. That alongside with Wayne Gretzky coming and playing in the 90s or whenever he was there, I'd say those two factors didn't uh, really impact me directly as far as like I was kind of out of the loop. Like I wasn't a huge Wayne Gretzky guy but all my friends were. And so they got into hockey, which made the whole tide began to rise, so to speak. Um, and so it benefited me and I loved the Mighty Ducks movie. So, you know, hockey getting bigger as a young kid, what do you do? You look at the local pros and you watch, you know, here in Sweden, they watch the NHL and the SHL back home. We'd watch the local teams, the Anaheim Ducks back then the Mighty, Mighty Ducks for me. And then you'd watch the Los Angeles Kings. And then you have those movies coming out. And it just started getting a buzz around hockey. You know, a lot of back in the days when my dad, my dad was a division one football player and my uncle, same thing played it. Uh, my dad played at Hawaii um, and, and they all, all football guys. Uh, they didn't even know what hockey was. My grandpa was watching Wayne Gretzky and my dad, I remember is going in there like, what the heck is this? And my uncle was watching it and, and uh, but they didn't even, they didn't know anything about hockey. Uh, so I would say that that stuff all benefited me, but I wasn't a super fan of it per se. That's really cool. But how did you kind of, because making that transition to, to ice hockey, so to speak, was like, I, it sounds like it came naturally for you, but the, the, um, the youth programs of the U S is very, very different compared to, to Sweden. So how did you kind of climb the ranks? What, how did you, what happened? Yeah. Um, Well, when I was nine, I was playing at a, a rink called Side by Side. And it was called Side by Side because there was a roller rink. And on the other side was an ice rink. And the roller rink had like a fence around it. It was super ghetto, but it was awesome. Um, and so I don't know if I got scouted by one of those ice hockey coaches peeking his head over to the roller hockey side and noticed that a, a young kid had some good hands and some good skills and said, hey, let's get, bring this kid over to, uh, to, to ice hockey. Uh, kind of like the Mighty Ducks, the one kid you can't even stop. That was yeah. me. I, I, I had good hands and I could skate, but I couldn't stop. So I remember I went to my first clinic and they had the side that was working on like uh, stick handling and shooting. And then there was a side for like the people that weren't ready for that, that had to just go skate to the other side and stop. And I remember they did a little test like, hey, Rick, can you go skate and show me to stop? And I went and I tried to do like a roller hockey stop and I fell and they're like, yeah, you're on this side. Uh, but after a little time, they realized that I was, I was a pretty good hockey player. I just had developed some skills just playing roller hockey and, uh, they, they recruited me to, to try to join some teams and my parents were, uh, nice enough to fork out some money and, and, and let me join a, a club team at that point. So maybe that was, you know, maybe a year, uh, or so went by when I was still just playing in-house ice hockey and then around 10 or so. I finally, maybe 10 or 11, I joined my first club team, which was called the California Wave. Of course, California, beaches, waves. What else would we name ourselves? 
uh, and played there until I was uh, 16. Um, and we had a great team. We, we won nationals, beat uh, top teams from all around the United States and Canada. Uh, some great coaches. Um, and that was something we really benefited from uh, in my generation is we had some really good coaches that came and moved to California and were chasing the sun. Some, some guys that liked hockey, but also like to be surf bums. Uh, my coach in particular, his name is Jeff Turcott, really big hockey family, um, well-known family. Uh, and he was a smart hockey coach, old school guy, uh, still one of my best friends to this day. Um, and so I benefited from those guys, you know, it was him and a group of other guys that moved to California and, and, uh, you know, saw an opportunity that there wasn't a lot of good coaching there and they kind of took over that market and were enjoying the waves as well. Uh, and I had good coaching. And so I attribute a lot of my success to them. Um, and then from there, I got recruited to play for team USA, the NTDP, if you guys have heard of that. Yeah. Um, and you know, again, it's just, everything just worked out. You know, I, I couldn't have scripted it. I'd certainly didn't plan it. I mean, when I first was playing roller hockey and street hockey, I wasn't dreaming of playing in the NHL. Really. I wasn't dreaming of playing for team USA, but I just got good at it because I fell in love with the game and I would go in my garage and I would shoot pucks. We had a old wooden garage and I would shoot pucks for four hours a day. I mean, I, they couldn't get me out of there. And anytime I'd learn a new shot or a new stick handling thing, I'd call my dad, you got to see this. And I can relate now. I got my kids wanting to show me little funny things, you know, as a parent, you, you kind of see yourself in them yeah. and, and things that as a parent, you're like, Oh, like it's not that big of a deal. But as a, as a kid, it's just, the, it is the biggest deal, you know? Yeah, um, for sure. So I had, I had great parenting and they backed me up and supported me and doors just opened and, here I am all these years later, 33 years old, uh, living in Stockholm. It's, it's been a pretty crazy ride and very thankful for everything that's happened. And, and if you guys ever go on Huntington beach, you'll, you'll be like, how the hell did Rhett become a hockey player from here? Cause it's a surfing, it's a surf city. Yeah, it, it is. That's what yeah. it's called. That's what it's called the surf city. So yeah, that was a long winded answer, but that's kind of, uh, how it all happened. Now, no uh, worries. You, you can I just all- do say something yeah, here, Dave? For context, your last season with the Wave, you scored <clears throat> 121 points in 56 games. That's pretty decent, I got to say. Um, but we're yeah. moving on uh, just uh, for context. And then you moved through, uh, like you said, you're here, 33 years old. You moved through uh, University of Denver. Um, yep. Just um, just a quick question, because I've, we've talked to, to a few players and uh, some of them have, you know, done the NCAA route like yourself and some others just went the juniors route and kind of skipped education quote unquote uh was it how important was it for you to kind of get an education or go the NCAA route it was that's a good question I would say hockey was always my priority and I always wanted to be a hockey player at that point once I went to the team USA and I was a top player there and you get drafted you're kind of like okay this is you know, how, how many kids get the chance to go to college? Well, a lot. How many kids get the chance to play in the NHL? Not a lot. So I obviously had probably was prioritizing playing hockey and playing in the NHL. But when I decided to go to college, I didn't feel like I had to sacrifice anything in my hockey endeavors by going to college. So I was able to go to school, get my education and still 
pursue hockey at the highest levels and have more time to develop. And as a later bloomer, I always felt that I was. It gave me an opportunity to play until I was 22, until I turned pro. I had the opportunity to sign uh, after my junior season. I, I foregoed that and forwent that and decided to stay for my senior year. And I was the captain. Just a great opportunity to play your senior year and, and stay with all your friends. And I think most college guys are very tempted to stay all four years just because you have so much fun. College is just an incredible experience. I still, to this day, all my, so many of my best friends are from Denver. Um, we, that's probably the, the greatest thing I've taken from there. Even ahead of my education is the friendships that you gain and the, the experiences and, you know, life is short and uh, to get to experience that and have a little adventure in your life was amazing. So for me, it's, it was an easy choice. Cause again, the biggest thing, I didn't feel like I had to sacrifice anything on the hockey front. And if anything, it gave me an advantage to give me more time to develop and mature. And it didn't hold me back from playing in the NHL. The NHL scouts were all still there, still playing against elite players and actually playing against older players than I would have, if I would have gone to the WHL, which is where I was drafted. Yeah. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm very thankful for that uh, decision. And anyone who was to ask me that's in the same position that I was in, I would advise them to do that with the exception of, you know, you get those guys that are like, you know, Connor McDavid, John Tavares, those guys that for, you know, top, top picks that are blue chip NHL prospects. Yeah. I mean, do whatever the heck you want. Nothing's stopping you from playing in the NHL. Whatever the fastest route is and is going to get you the most prepared, go for it. You're going to make millions of dollars anyways, but for everyone else, it's kind of a, you don't know how it's all going to pan out. It gives you some more time. And then, and then now I have my education as well. Now, That's really uh, awesome. Uh, of course, obviously you got drafted by, uh, by the Islanders hundredth um, overall in the fourth round. Uh, you did play a couple games with them, but you're mostly an AHL guy with the, the Bridgeport sound tigers. So 2011, 2012 rolls around um, the end of the season comes. How, how does it happen that, that you end up uh, in, in Sweden with HV 71? Yeah, um, I just switched agents at that time. Uh, and within the Islanders organization, uh, they had been drafting so many top picks for so many years. Since, since I was drafted in 2006, it, it was top 10 pick after top 10 pick. So, I mean, just to go off the top of my head, you got Oposo, you got Tavares, Strom, uh, Anders Lee, Nino Niederreiter, um, Josh Bailey, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, there was so many great players, guys that have played a long time in the NHL. Um, so I had very good success in the HL, led the team in scoring two years, and, and the Islanders gave me an opportunity up there, um, which was great. And I have nothing but gratitude with, with my time that I spent there. But I kind of wanted more. I, I was hoping that they would have given me a little more of an extended look in those two seasons I was there. And they didn't. And I saw all these other guys that were getting way more of a look than me. And it felt like, if anything, that was just going to be more of that and rather than less of that. Um, of course, in hindsight, you, you question the decisions you make. And I wonder what would happen. You know, some guys break into the league their third year and, uh, you know, guys get injured and you get an opportunity and you capitalize on it. So, um, you know, the advice I always give guys now is don't come over here unless you're hundred percent ready to not go back. Cause I, you can get stuck. It's very hard hockey over here and you might not get another opportunity to go back. So kind of what happened with me though, is my new agent wanted me to come over here 
develop for, you know, a couple years, maybe, maybe get to unrestricted free agency when I was 27, maybe get traded, you know, just come over here and just get a fresh look and, and then look to go back. And here I am 10, 10 years later. And there's a lot of factors that have contributed to that. I had one opportunity to go back uh, with an NHL offer um, and I uh, forfeited that uh, to stay here. I was already signed with Malmo that season. And then we also had the Olympic opportunity that year and I was pushing right. hard for that. Ended up not making the team. Um, but again, you know, I don't really have any regrets. Um, met my wife over here. I have three beautiful kids and I have loved Sweden. It's a, met lifelong friends. Um, and I don't really live like that. There's always the fun, you know, in your mind, it's fun to think what it would happen. But um, yeah, that's, that's kind of how that all went down back then. The thing I, I kind of, we're, we're not going to stop with every team, but when looking at your stats, you've been a consistent producer throughout your time here in Sweden. What makes you, or what kind of made you adapt that quickly to the Swedish style of hockey back then? Because everywhere you go, you're just putting up the points. Um, I mean, honestly, number one is I went to a really good team and played with really good players my first year. Um, line mates were Jason Krogh, uh, who was a great player in this league and a great pro, yeah. uh, and Jesper Fast. And when he you turned out, into out a right. yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's had a pretty good career. Uh, great guy too. Yeah. But, um, when you, when you come into a situation like that, obviously I contributed to it and we were a good line and we had a good team. So the team's doing good, which means that you're in the offensive zone more. You're going to score more. You're on a good line. They're going to feed you sweet passes and you're going to get nice and easy goals or you're going to feed them a pass and they're going to make it happen, you know? So that's kind of how it all started off. But, you know, and then you kind of set the tone that first year is important to kind of establish yourself. And then going through the rep time here, you got to keep earning it. I mean, I've had my downs too. Uh, my second year in Vecua was a down. I had a tough season there and it wasn't the same where I, you know, I really got put in a bad situation there and didn't produce a lot. Um, so, you know, it can, it can go down like that, but when you have a couple good seasons and you reprove yourself a couple times, then you start getting the benefit of the doubt and coaches know long run you, you deserve those opportunities and that you're going to always like rise to the occasion but it's a little bit from the coaches and it's a little for yourself too. Like you have to keep proving it every, every year. And I've stayed hungry and I haven't like dwelled on my former success. I've tried to continue to get better. And that's the only way to really stay at a level like this. I mean, this league's really challenging to score in and very defensive, uh, not a ton of power plays. Uh, guys are willing to block shots. So it is hard, uh, but you just got to stay hungry and keep pushing or else you're not going to have a job. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way I can, when, when looking at you when you're playing, that's the way I, I, I would describe it as well. Because when you're on the ice, especially when you came in, like, let's say, well, obviously in lean shopping, we're going to get back to that in just a few moments. But like you, when you came to Eurogordon last season, everything seemed to just, I don't know, get concentrated around you on the ice. You took the puck, you came out in stride and just fired away. And well, you had 28 points in, in 35 games last season. So, But but there's a story from Lean Shepard. We're gonna cut away from the hockey here. And someone told us uh, there's a story about you losing your teeth on an airplane. Yeah. Is that something you want to <laughs> share with us? 
I, I have a feeling I know who, who, who said that. We're not yeah, naming no, any names, a, Andrew Gordon. It's a, it's a great, yeah, I, I, that's who I thought. Uh, that's a great story, actually. I've forgotten about that one. So uh, I, was, I was taking a flight back to Linchaping December 24th. Oh, the this wasn't the team in. flight? No. Oh, okay. Last, okay. Flight, last flight in. Last flight in with, with my wife. Yeah. And I had one of those little sandwich boxes. And back then, before I smartened up after losing five sets, after, after losing five of these, <laughs> I have learned not to do this, but I left <laughs> my teeth because you pull out, you pull out like a pair of teeth and you don't want to like put it on the table. No. Like you don't want, that's one. Two, you don't want to put in your pocket, I've learned, because after I moved to Sweden, you wear skinny jeans. And I broke a pair in the skinny jeans because you got your phone in there and your wallet and you bend your leg and we all have big hockey leg crack, lost a pair doing that. So where else do I, I don't, and sometimes I have a front pocket. If I have a front pocket, always in the front pocket, that's a no brainer. So back then I, I was like, can't go in the pockets. I'm on a flight. Everything's cramped. I'm just going to put it in the box. I won't forget it. I've done that before I stop. Like now I have a rule. If I don't have a front pocket and there's not somewhere safe, I could put it. I just eat with them in. Cause I can't trust. I've learned. I cannot trust myself. I've left them on tables. I've left them all over. They've, I've had to dig them out of, okay, I'll get there. I'll get there. <laughs> Anyways, I leave it on the tape. I leave it on the box. Uh, go home. Freaking teeth drive back airports closed. We're open at uh, you know, I look online open at uh 4 45 AM or whatever. The first flights maybe at six. I get there at four 30. I'm waiting doors open. I go right to the front. Hey, lost and found. You guys find me, chief? Weird question. They're like, oh no. And then I was like, well, this is the flight I was on. Where would you guys have uh, potentially? Is the flight still? They have maybe they haven't cleaned it. They're like, oh, we'll go check. They're like, no, the flight's been cleaned and all the trash has been dumped. I said, uh, well, where has the trash been dumped? And they're like, are you serious <laughs> right now? Like, this guy, gosh, like they didn't think their day was going to start like that. So they go, uh, yeah. Um, there's huge garbage cans. You're welcome to look, but good luck. And so I go, yeah, well, I, I am in the other side of the world. I do not want to have to go wait four months to get this new set of teeth. And I don't want to have to go to a new dentist and pay all this money. It's expensive. So I don't know. I just wanted to find those flipping teeth. So I went out to the garbage and this saint of human, his name was Richard. I remember uh, he's, he's, he grabs a pair of plastic gloves and he throws me a pair. He's like, let's go. <laughs> this guy's the man. So we start digging through the trash, me and this guy that doesn't even know me on Christmas morning at like 5 a.m. And we're digging, digging. And I knew I left it in a little box. So I told him it's going to be in one of these boxes. If you don't find a box, it's, it's not, it's in a box. So I go, 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 go. Finally, I, I go in and I see a little pink thing. I go, oh my God. And I pull it out and it's my stinking teeth with some mustard on it or something. And I'm just like, <laughs> Richard, I found the teeth. And he, he celebrated with me. He raised his hands and uh, we celebrated. And uh, I went back in my car and I remember Mariah Carey, all I want for Christmas is you. I swear to you, turned on and I was driving home. I didn't put the teeth in my mouth, although that would have been pretty funny. I, I washed them first, but <laughs> that was a great Christmas miracle. Now for, that's an amazing story for, for some context for people who might be confused about why you have removable teeth these are obviously porcelain teeth that you wear that you have previously lost while playing hockey so and like you said yeah. they're they're pretty expensive and custom made so 
digging through garbage yeah, to get them a, back probably I, wasn't the worst I, thing. I've, no, I've dug through another garbage can after I was at a restaurant once, and, and same thing, found them. Uh, I, I broke them at an NHL game once. I stepped on them. I, there's so many stories with my teeth, and it's it always sucks if you lose them or break them. So that's why I'm I'm willing to pay the price. Now I have three sets. Um, my d- dentist this summer made me three sets, and he actually made me a, a gold, a pair of gold ones. So <laughs> that's nice. awesome. No, if I ever getting... another SM gold, I'm wearing those. Now, getting uh, back to the rink, obviously, we've uh, kind of alluded to it a few times during the interview. You have spent a lot of time with different teams around the league. You've played with six separate teams uh, uh, over the last 10 seasons. So why is it that you haven't seemed to kind of, you know, drop anchor with one one, one or another team? You should interview all my GMs and ask them that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, man. Did, that's, did, uh, did, that's did a, I strike that's a nerve? A load... No, no, no. Not at all. Not at all. I feel very grateful and I've been able to see all these different cities and meet all these different guys and have one with multiple teams. And I mean, it's kept, it's kept me fresh and everything new and I get impatient and I love adventure. So maybe God knows me better than I know myself and knew that was the best for me. But I, uh, the, the, the thing about that, that's kind of weird is almost every team, if not every team, I'd have to think back and that would take me a long time, but uh, because there's so many teams, but Almost every, if not everyone, has tried to sign me at one time, and it just hasn't aligned. Whether I signed early and they tried to sign me after the season and it was too late, or they offered me early and I wasn't ready, and then they changed their mind. And, you know, it's signing good imports is important for these guys. And so it could be a little hot and cold and a little cat and mouse at times with, like, timing. Um, And that's kind of been the case. Um, So, you know, it's been – one of those things that at times I, it was kind of bittersweet and it, it has been challenging to play against your former teams. Cause I'm a very emotional player. I give my heart and soul to my teammates and my team and the organization. And I take pride in who I play for. And a lot of people on the outside looking in think that I'm like a mercenary guy just chasing money and uh, you know, has no allegiance to anyone, but that's actually couldn't be further from the truth. Every time I've moved on from team teams, there's been, it's been really hard. There's been some tears and uh, you know, you make really good friends with these guys and they become like your brothers and family. And then you move on. And then the next year you're battling against them. So I've learned to deal with it and not allow it to be such an emotional process because at the end of the day, teams are trying to make their best decision and I'm trying to make my best decision and sometimes those align with each other and sometimes they don't and it is what it is so um that's kind of yeah I, I could go way deeper into that but that's kind of how it's all went down that's really cool um i just want to go back to the on here we, we're going to go to probably some more emotional stuff uh in, in a minute but just looking at those uh, the down you mentioned the down season in Vecchio where you had eight your second season in the in Vecchio you had 18 points in uh, 51 games, but then uh, you kind of turn it off in the, in the playoffs, and it's the same goes when you won the championship with Perlunda. You had a well, you scored 21 points in 38 games, but then you had 17 points in 16 playoffs games. Yeah. Is that just you flicking a switch or going f this? I'm gonna show them <laughs> or what? What's, yeah. what's the deal? Because it, I mean. It, speaking from experience, you know, going through a bit of a rough patch, it's not easy to get out of. And 
what how do you do that yeah um i think it gives like it just those those seasons that were a little down in the regular season there was no one more excited to play playoffs than me because i had a fresh start whereas some people mentally are like oh i just had a good season and now i got to do it again i was like i just had a shit season and i'm so excited to show people what i could do so that's one thing and then the other thing is i mean even the years that i've had good seasons i've normally had pretty good playoffs and that's just something i've always taken pride in is being my best when it matters most and i'm a big emotional player i i'm a heartfelt guy i'm not a robotic guy you know which is sometimes why i'm streaky i think because i you know when i when I, sometimes i can get down and it affects my game and then sometimes i can get up and it can affect my game and i've learned to deal with that and try to be more consistent through my natural emotions and feelings but i think that it suits me going into playoffs because in playoffs you're just thinking about winning and you're in the moment and you're so focused on hockey that that has really suited me and my personality because i just go out there and play and i just want to win and when i'm playing like that that's when i'm at my best and i've had coaches in the past you know just play like you play in playoffs and you know it's it's um that's a challenge of being a professional is being your best every game and no one is so oh. you know i mean no one can play like game 7 level every game but the best players are the ones that get closest to that every game uh you know a good example is Joel Lundqvist like he's he's just so consistent um and that's that's a good pro and that's why he's had so many years of success and he's won so much cuz he is head and shoulders of the, the best most consistent guy that I've ever seen so you know that's something you learn as you get older is to be more consistent and to try to find that high level every game but as an emotional guy I think that's why I thrive most in the playoffs now there is one particular goal I wanted to ask about, Rhett, which I'm, I'm I sure uh, I'm sure you're aware of which one it is as well. And uh, it was a couple of years ago when you were playing for Frolunda, and it was an absolutely highlight reel goal with you spinning and turning and tossing and somehow managing to find the back of the net with the uh, with the puck. So, uh, are like, are you able to take us through what was going through your mind while you were doing that? Does in that situation, does instinct just kind of take over? Was it the Orobro goal? I, I think so. Yeah. Um, the one that, the one that I put it through my legs and put it through the legs just, and then under the goaltender's poke check and then wrapped it around. Into oh the yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That, I mean, I, I mean, that, that, my best. that was, I, I got messages from buddies back home saying, we saw this goal from the SHL on Sportsnet tonight. Wow. That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was one of those ones that like, I don't know. Your just instincts take over and <laughs> that's when hockey is the most fun when you're, without a plan and you do something crazy we call it junk in my family we call that junkyard hockey because we used to call street hockey the junkyard and when you're just playing in the junkyard like just trying just, something you know for fun. And, and, and trying crazy stuff and you know just having fun that's where i learned all my talents and you know all those things that i still do to this day so that one like the puck just popped out to me i remember i had to reach with it it might have been with one hand and i saw the goalie's poke check so I kind of had to pull it back so the natural direction of the stick coming back brought it in between my legs so I kind of just went with it and I could have shot it there but I didn't like feel 
like it would have gone in. So I'm okay. Well, and I see his stick. It kind of, this happens so fast. So you kind of just see his stick and then you just pull it around. And to be honest with you, I hate to admit this. I wasn't trying to go five hole. I was just at that point, it, my body was so out of control because it just was happening so fast that I was just trying to get around him and give him credit. He, he came with me quick there with his right pad and it slid five hole. I maybe should have never admitted that. Uh, a good magician never admits, admits a mistake. But, well, I, I actually, but, just, uh, yeah, I, it was probably one of my better goals. I actually just watched the clip again and it is actually a little bit funny. I, I'm not too sure who it was that was between the pipes, but after it happens, he's just kind of sitting in the crease with his head down, contemplating what yeah. just happened. And, yeah. he, he, and yeah, the guy so. who turned the puck over to me, uh, the guy who turned the puck over to me is on my team right now, actually. <laughs> oh, that's so hilarious. I should if you send me that clip so I can forward it to him. Oh, we're going to. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> hey, remember this? Um, you, you mentioned you, uh, you're having, you know, uh, it can be difficult to face former teammates and obviously being around the league for quite some time, you played with and against quite a few players. And you mentioned Joel Lundqvist. How is he as, a, as an opponent uh, compared to as a teammate? Because the way I find him is that he's pretty uh, rough <laughs> to play against. Yeah, he's a robot. Yeah. I think he might be partly made in a laboratory. <laughs> he's uh, he's a great guy, um, but his profession is number one in his life, and him being at his top level is number one. So, you know, it's not fun and games. He he's there for business, and I respect that. I'm 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 on the other spectrum. I'm there for business. And I want to win and as, I'm as competitive as anyone, but I'm having, I'm goofing off and I'm, you know, there's different personalities. I'm, yeah. I'm a goofball cracking jokes in between periods and, and he's on the other side of that spectrum. Um, and it's exactly who you want as your leader, you know, as your captain. And there's different forms of leadership. You need both. Uh, but that's how he is. He's, he's dialed in always. I respect like, literally, the hell like, out of literally, him. Literally, literally always every like that in practice as well oh yeah oh every practice every game every moment um of course there's team team dinners and stuff you you, you loosen up and you have fun like everybody but he's he's dialed in uh every practice he's trying to get better every workout you know he's he's a focused guy um and it must run in the family because his, his brother was the same and um that's the only way you can play and not just play, but lead a good team for this many years and this hard of a league is with that level of commitment and dedication. Um, so, yeah, I, I have nothing but respect for him as a professional. Um, he's fun to compete against. We've had series against each other in playoffs. Uh, before I went to Frolinda, we played against them last year in our best of three. Those are the kind of guys you enjoy competing against at the highest level and laying it all out there and you know it's not just fun and games and goofing around you're you're going for the win so uh yeah he's he's awesome now of course with uh mentioning joel lundquist it's hard not to mention ryan lash in the same breath as well because they've kind of been the yeah. the dynamic duo there for for Lunda, especially on the power play so um yeah. i mean having played against them having played with them uh i mean what's that dynamic like between between the two of them like their their relationship you mean yeah yeah, there. I mean, Ryan's more the, more like on my side. He's he's equally as competitive as Joel. Um, 
but he's a little more of the colorful uh goofing around you know he's a little more laid back he's more of the yeah he's more of the superstar you know and uh having fun he's got the Cali vibes like me where he's just out there having fun and goofing off but so he's you know he's a little more like I said a little more goofy and and uh you know Joel is a little more like stern uh Ryan is more you know he's he's doing he's living in Ryan's world he's doing what he wants and and no one's going to tell him out otherwise uh, but when it comes down to winning and competitiveness, I'd say those guys are both par with each other. So Ryan is, you know, he's, he's, he wants to score and that's it. He wants to be the guy on the power play. He wants the puck and a good team has everything. You know, you got a guy like Joel doing his job and you got, got a guy like Ryan doing his job and he's incredibly valuable for that team. You look at, they were missing that last year in the power play the offense and now this year that's way better because Ryan is the quarterback of all that so um yeah he he loves what he does he loves being the power play offensive quarterback and the architect of all that stuff and he takes a lot of pride in it so yeah I mean to do what he's done in this league for this many years is incredible so we have a patron site so whenever we announce an an interview our patrons get first chance to kind of ask questions or send in the, their questions. And Eric had a mm-hmm. few here. And uh, I think the, the one that kind of stands out apart from a duck question is uh, what is the best advice you gotten from a coach? I find that quite interesting. What is the best advice I've gotten from a coach? Um, yeah. Well, this one's kind of on the front of my mind because I just told one of my teammates it the other day, but um a guy by the name of Brian Trottier, you guys probably know the name, Heard of uh, Brian Trottier. Uh, he was my player development guy in the Islanders. And I remember him telling me like, don't apologize to anyone for anything. <laughs> and I think that's good advice because everyone's going to mess up and everyone makes mistakes at the, at our level, even at higher levels than my level at lower levels, obviously more so. But even at the highest levels, we're at a really high level. The NHL is at the highest level. Um, go to the Olympics and the, when the NHLers are playing, they're going to make mistakes too. And yeah, it's good to maybe own up to your mistakes if you let someone down and you know take one on the chin once in a while and swallow your pride and say, hey, that's on me. And I'm not saying that, but it's more so like, don't go around like apologizing every time you make a mistake because everyone does it. So that was great, great advice for me because I'm kind of an apologetic guy and uh, like everyone to like me and uh, people pleaser a little bit and to learn to just own my space and be myself and not apologize for who I am and what I do. Uh, still being humble when I need to be humble, but owning up to who I am and taking pride in that. I thought that was great advice. It was. Um, I, I'm running out of questions here and uh, topic, topics to discuss, but I have one fairly, fairly current, and that is uh, you're in a bit of a pickle in the league, but things are looking up. You're kind of getting your act together, if you will. What's been – you you had a bit of a break. I think you didn't play between December 30th and January 17th or 20th or something. What's been kind of the, the main reason for you guys picking up speed here? Yeah, I think that break was good for us. Um, having some weeks to just regroup and 
get our mind off of everything. I think that gave us a refresher. Um, We've been burdened with a lot of stuff this year. Um, I've never been part of anything even close. Um, And I've, it's my 10th year in the league. And I'd say I'd never been part of even a quarter of this in one season. And we've had, I mean, six season ending injuries, coach leaves, GM leaves, a human resources issue. Yeah. Um, Injury after injury, guys out, guys in. Um, And every time one of those things happen, it's just another thing for you to think about as a player. So I think we've just been so consumed with thinking all year long. And so those three weeks gave us a time to kind of decompress and relax and get away from hockey. We got a new coach in. He's done a great job. We're just keeping things very simple and we know what we want to achieve and we're doing it and we're executing it. And it feels like we're all on the same page. We all have fresh minds right now and we're just doing our best and executing our best and everyone's on board right now. So uh, it feels good to be in every game. We lost last night, but it's a different feeling than we were losing before. It's like we didn't even have a chance, but last night we gave ourselves a chance. It could have gone either way. Kind of got a couple tough, tough calls, uh, missed calls and calls against us. Um, but you know, we're in, we're in every game and that's, that's what we're focused on. We're focused on the process right now. So we have hope, we have faith and uh, we're excited for this end of the season. Now, obviously, Rhett, like you said, it's been a tough season. Um, obviously, it's been a challenging one for you uh, in your career because you have really found success uh, wherever you've gone in the, in this league. Um, but just kind of looking ahead, I mean, you're 33 years old, but you're still playing well. Do, do you see your future uh, involving the SHL for the next few seasons? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm signed for next year. Uh, so, yeah, that year, of course. Um, it, beyond that, I don't have any plans other than just trying to be my best. And um, I guess the good thing about where I'm at right now is when you're 25 and you're playing in a season, you're thinking like, you know, of your goals, I want to play till I'm, you know, X amount of years old and I need to get this next contract. I need, 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 need. Now I'm at a point where it's like, I want this. And so I've kind of, I'm getting close to some of my goals and, um, and then you get to the point where you just reevaluate and you just try to be your best and contribute and you're doing it because you want it, not because you need it. And so after this contract expires, you know, it'll just be a reevaluation. Um, the factors are changing a little bit in my life because I have three kids now and a family and the kids are getting older. So of course that will come into play as far as where I want to haul my family around to. Do I want to keep playing in Europe and, you know, flying my family all around the world and experiencing that. Is that good? Is that bad? Is it indifferent? You know, it's just a lot of factors. And then there's my, my body, there's my level of performance. And then there's my mind emotionally. Am I still enjoying it? So those are kind of the things I'll look at um, after this contract runs up after next season. Um, But uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Now, we were having getting away from the ice. We were having a conversation before the interview started. And uh, I mentioned, obviously, you've been here for 10 years. And uh, I've been here for almost five. And Sixten's always getting on my case. And so is my fiance about learning the language. So how is your Swedish? Min svenska är mycket... Jag kan säga det är jättebra. Hör det själv. Not bad. 
Yeah, he's beating you, Dave. Play country <laughs> mile. Well, I, I was going to say, I, I reckon. I, 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 you didn't respond to me, so I assume yours not going that good. Mitzvah's got into bra. Mitzvah's got into bra. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a work in progress. Um, early on, I was a little more motivated. Uh, and now it's sizzled out in a way because you just reach that plateau of like, I know all the simple words now. It's just like anything <laughs> you just don't to get know to that next them. level. No, I, I mean, I know how to connect like simple ones, but to get to that next level, it's going to take that much more effort. And I just haven't been willing to commit that, but I learned, I learned little words here and there and I pulled them out in the locker room and I really should talk more because my teammates love when I make attempts at it and they laugh at me because my Swedish apparently sounds really funny. But uh, That's pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've I've hit a little bit of a plateau. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I I understand the struggle. You have a Swedish wife? Uh, yeah, she's Swedish. Yeah, I met her when I got here. Oh, what brought you out here? Um, uh, the the job actually. I do uh, English commentary for the Swedish Hockey League. Oh, you do? Yeah. So you and, work, uh, work for the SHL? Yeah, and I do uh, English uh, English articles for the website as well. Me too. Oh, okay, so it's good to be on your good side, so you don't slam me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, if you want to send a jersey my way or something. Whatever it takes, man. <laughs> we'll talk to Hannes. Yeah, set it up. Yeah. But um, uh, I think I think, think I'm, all set. Yeah, I, I'm out of questions. But uh, yeah, Rhett, this has been just such a great chat. So really want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. And uh, hopefully we can maybe connect yeah. later in the season as well. My pleasure, guys. Thank you for having me on. Thank you so much for doing this. And uh Well, like Dave said, whenever this season is over, barring any COVID, all that stuff, uh, let's reconvene and see how things unfold, and just do some sort of season sum up and all that. If you're sure. if you're if you're in, of course. Oh, yeah, anytime. Eric please. had the final question, which is something very laid back. I think. Would you <laughs> would you fight one horse sized duck or a hundred duck sized horses? I promised him to ask this. What one one horse sized duck? Or a hundred duck-sized horses. A hundred duck-sized horses. I know, right? Is, that, is this a trick question? <laughs> no. Did it's it just say a, something stupid? No, it's a Reddit meme, so I don't know. But I, I said... I, we, I feel like I must have just said something stupid. One of those things where what you say is, like, I don't know. Like a trick. No, 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 no. I feel <laughs> like I just got tricked into something. No, 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 no. We would, we would never trick our, our uh, guests. Yeah, but you don't know Gordon. what Eric Eric's up to. So Andrew, <laughs> Andrew actually... Uh, This could be a bit of a cliffhanger because Andrew, st- <laughs> he, he said, uh, don't make Rhett tell the story about when I went to Gothenburg for New Year's. So we can keep that as a cliffhanger <laughs> and we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get you two on the show at the same time. We'll see what happens. I'm not going to throw him under the bus, so I'll leave that. Yeah, if we go, if we come on together, I'll peel that out for you guys. We can push him under the bus. That's okay. Next time, next time uh, after the season, we can pour ourselves a drink during and uh, try to get Gordo loosened up and... Uh, Really get into some deeper stories. <laughs> That's a deal. We'll loosen up the lips a little bit. <laughs> the uh, we could make that a patron exclusive. The uh, having a drink with Rick Rickshani and Andrew Gordon. That's yeah, well, we'll do like a extra extra fifty kroners uh, for that yeah, one. Yeah, a little yeah. extra for sure. For sure, <laughs> a little add on. <laughs> no, hey, thanks man. a lot, guys. That was fun. Thank you so you much. Thank you. All right, it was really fun. Have a great one, Rhett, and uh, obviously good okay. luck with the rest of the season. Thanks a lot, guys. Have a great thanks weekend. Bye. Okay. Bye.
Okay, thank you once again. A big thank you to Rhett Rakshani. Um, I mean, what what a fun interview that was. He was such a kind of lighthearted guy, uh, ha- having a good time, laughing, and uh, uh, yeah, well, I just really enjoyed talking to him. And um, yeah, like uh, like he said, maybe we can get both him and uh, Andrew Gordon on together at some point to have a conversation because you know they're, they're good friends. So. Yeah. Uh, your your internet is really acting up, man. Uh, that's that's weird. Can you hear me? Hey. Uh, basically not. No. All right. Well, let's wrap it up then. Yeah. Uh, well, it's been great fun talking to you. <laughs> so, uh, just a bit of a shout out here because uh, we got. We actually got a new Patreon, so welcome to to the patronage uh, of the Across the Pond podcast. Henrik, uh, thank you so much. And thank you to Eric, Adam, Darlene and Tom, Linus, Andreas, Tobias and Anton. And as always, uh, Eric is the one providing us with the microphones, uh, apparently not a stable internet connection. And uh, Tobias has, is the one also providing us with our intro and outro music. And if you want to sponsor our podcast we are going to use some of the money uh quite soon to expand our zoom uh subscriptions uh head on over to patreon.com slash across the pond pod it's only two bucks a month it's pretty much half a beer in sweden if you will and uh i don't know 400 beers in canada i don't know the equivalent (laughs) but yeah uh so if you want to do that it really helps us uh, out and if you want to kind of spread the word about the podcast and if you're enjoying anything we very much appreciate, you know, the uh, likes and the thumbs up and all that on everything you can get and spread the word on Twitter, on social media and help us grow because we're actually chugging along pretty nicely here. And uh, we're, we got some awesome people coming up on the show actually later this week and probably next week because we're going to be able to kind of cram in another two episodes this week, but we are doing one more probably depending on the health of probably my kids uh friday maybe yeah would that do for you yeah that works awesome and if everything goes to plan we'll have uh julie robinheimer on the show friday and then we have casimir kaskisuo uh next week we are actually talking to both of them today yeah yeah we're very much looking forward to those and nice to have uh, interviews kind of stacked up and ready to go. So, yeah, I'm actually looking into a couple other uh, people as well. And there's one guy over in North America. I'm really dying. Actually, two I'm dying to have on. So so uh, fingers crossed we'll, we'll sort it out in the coming weeks here. Uh, and uh, for our Canadian friends, at least one of them is pretty well known. And for our Swedish friends, uh, one of them is very much well known. So it should be really fun. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks very much for listening, guys. It's uh, been a pleasure. And again, thanks to you to uh, Rhett Rakshani for such a great conversation. Um, And as always, stay safe, wash your hands, and support your local business and Dave's internet. (laughs) Thanks, guys. Have a good one.